They sat across from one another. They took turns asking these questions. There are 36 of them, as you know, and they call them escalating reciprocal sustained personalistic self-disclosure. That's oh my the, goodness, how romantic. <laughs> just rolls right, right off the tongue. Yes. My heart just went pitter-patter. <laughs> Welcome to Living and Learning. I'm Reba McIntyre. Joining me on this journey is the Ethel to my Lucy, the Barbara Jean to my Reba, the Bieber to my Baldwin, Melissa Peterman. Woohoo! Today we'll be exploring the topic I call modern dating. We'll be joined by author Mandy Lynn Catron. And Emmy and Tony Award winning actress Kristen Chenoweth will also stop by. She'll revisit first dates gone horribly wrong. Let's have some fun and learn a little something about modern dating. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Moneymaker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Well, I'm excited about today's topic because even though I've been married 21 years, I still like talking about dating and learning about dating. Are you excited about today's topic, Reva? I kind of am. Yeah, it's been a fun experience. This year has been a lot of fun. Matter of fact, you were with me when I was on my so-called first date in a long, long time. Okay, well, stop the presses right there. Are you saying that you're dating somebody? Yeah. Yeah, I am a very, very sweetheart of a guy, Rex Lynn, and we've been talking during the pandemic. We had dinner with Rex in, was it January? Yeah. And then February on, it was the COVID pandemic, and we were talking, texting, FaceTime, and that's a really good way to get to know people. It's a great way to get to know somebody. It's good to have a person to talk to, laugh with, get into subjects about what's going on, discussions about our past, our family, funny stories, him being an actor and me being an actress. And he's very into my music. I'm very into his career. It's just great getting to talk to somebody who I find very interesting, very funny, very smart, and is interested in me too. Well, I think this is what's called a scoop. I don't know if that's what they call that in the podcast world, but we kind of got a little scoop. And I know you always like to sort of keep some things, you know, a little bit private because you want to protect them. But I, I like that you're sharing that you're talking to somebody and that you're really getting to know them because I think you guys are real cute together. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's very important to be selective when you want to talk about your private life. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and he's very special. And and then since we're having a dating segment for the podcast, I think it's very appropriate for me to talk about Rex and that we're having a blast and still getting to know each other. And I put myself in his shoes and I said, if he was doing this podcast and he didn't mention me, I would be crushed. Whatever happens in the future, at this point, we're very stable and it's been a good six months and I look forward to having more things to look forward to. Well, I think you're very brave and I'm glad that you're sharing it. How do you romance Reba McIntyre? I mean, what's is it dinners? Is it like, you know, is it surprises? Is it just time? What is it? What's the romance factor? Surprise me. You know, mm-hmm. that's got to be something new that they thought up that I didn't have to tell them. That's the key. I That is so perfect because I think oftentimes you feel like you're the one who tells them. The idea of somebody completely planning something without your input and putting in the work, that's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. What is a good first date for Reba McIntyre? Something that's loose and relaxed, not so checking them out. And that, I think, will determine the second date. And if it's um, drilling and grilling and... uh, (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Well, I I don't know about you, but maybe it's because I've been married almost 21 years, but drilling and grilling sounds like a great first date. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're drilling them with questions and stuff, trying to find out what they're like, it gets a little bit like an interview. So if you're just telling stories and having fun, get to know their personality, and then you'll know whether or not you'll want to have a second date with them to really get into details of, you know, how many brothers and sisters do you have and that kind of stuff. Trying to date now or like breaking up. I, I was writing a sketch with a friend of mine because we were shooting some funny stuff and we were all talking about those drive-by birthdays, you know, where people would like honk and like go by people's houses. Uh-huh. And like, what yeah. about all the drive-by breakups that are happening now where people are oh. like just driving by, throwing their clothes out? Like, it's not working. I wanted to do this in person, but it's COVID and just throwing their stuff out there. And they're sanitized. It's sanitized, but I can't imagine breaking up and or trying to, to date during this craziness. You know, that's what we need to do today is To come up with tips, hopefully our expert will be able to help us a lot with this, tips on what to look for. You know, somebody might be saying, well, I don't even know what to look for. I've I've struck out on all my relationships before. That's why we're here. Melissa and I are going to help you find the right person. And we've got an expert <laughs> Is that a guarantee? today. By the end That's of this, a guarantee. By the end of this podcast, Melissa and Reba will have helped you find the right person. <laughs> that is guaranteed. Brought to you by Reba's Drill and Grill. I'm very excited to talk to Mandy today because I saw her article in the New York Times. It was how to fall in love with anyone. And it was about this experiment she did. And it was 36 questions to get to know somebody intimately or just to sort of bypass like all the other kind of the easy stuff and get to the good stuff. So I feel like she's going to have some fantastic tips and advice for everyone out there who wants to date in 2020. Oh, good. Coming up next after the break, we'll be talking to author Mandy Lynn Catrone about the science of finding the right partner. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, we're so happy to welcome Mandy Lynn Control to the show. Melissa and I have been talking about our past dating experiences. She's been married for a while and I've been married twice. So getting back in the dating world for me is fun and exciting, but it's going to be great to hear what you have to say about and give us some tips. All right. Awesome. I'm excited about this. So tell us a little bit. So you wrote a bunch of essays. You did this New York Times article that just exploded Mm -hmm. and it was about how to fall in love with anyone in these 36 questions. So what are some of these 36 questions to really get to know somebody? So the concept is basically like this. Back in the early 90s, this psychologist, Arthur Aaron, essentially decided to see if he could create closeness and intimacy in the lab. So basically the preconditions for falling in love. And the way he and his team of researchers did this is they basically had um, like a heterosexual man and woman come into the lab before they came in, he said, uh, someone I want you to meet, they're very interested in you. And then, but they were total strangers. And so they, they came in, they sat across from one another. They took turns asking these questions. So there are 36 of them, as you know, and the way the researchers describe it is they call them escalating reciprocal sustained personalistic self-disclosure. That's oh my the, goodness, how romantic. <laughs> just rolls right, right off the tongue. Yes. My heart That's just went pitter-patter. Term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the goal is basically over, I think, 90 minutes in the original study, the two participants ask this series of questions and they just get a little bit more personal and demanding as you go along. So you start with sort of casual questions like, um, if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead, who would you choose? But then over time, they become like much more intimate, like describe your relationship with your mother or when is the last time you cried? And so this sort of escalation happens naturally over weeks or maybe even months in a relationship. But they were like, what if we could make it happen just in like an hour and a half. Wow. I would imagine that these questions, like they do, they force you to get to know somebody faster. And the idea of dating, it's so exhausting because I feel (laughs) like you're going through so many of these other questions that don't mean anything. They don't, that doesn't matter. You want to get to the big stuff. Like I do want to know how somebody feels about their mother. I want to know some of these big things instead of, you know, are you allergic to fish or whatever that is? (laughs) Like, I think it, don't you feel like, does it sort of fast forward and get through all the the fluff and get to the good stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. My experience of online dating was that it often felt like a job interview where you're sort of asking the same questions over and over like, oh, you know, how, what do you do? How many siblings do you have? Um, and this was really the opposite of that. And it just requires you to immediately kind of connect with someone, which is fun. I mean, I think that's ultimately why the article I wrote about it was so popular is just people were in this like as a culture in this moment when it came to dating where everyone 
is going through this process of, you know, once we sort of move to online dating, as opposed to meeting potential partners through friends or family or community, church, whatever, there is no sense of like accountability to the other person, right? It's not like your friend's friend and he's going to follow up to tell how the date went. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's no reason to invest in that date if you don't immediately feel a spark. And I think that's really exhausting for people. And so this is kind of an alternative to that process of just like endless small talk. As you said, the endless small talk is so exhausting. When you get into something that's really meaty and you're firing questions back and forth to each other, instead of one person dominating the conversation and it morphing into what they did in the sixth grade and how great they are. (laughs) And then you start yawning. And so this is wonderful. Where can I find these 36 questions? Yeah, they're very easy to find. If you just Google 36 questions, it will pop up like the first, the first several hits will be a list of them. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. But Mandy, how did you get started in this? Uh, (laughs) That's a great question. When I was, 26, my parents divorced and I had just assumed that they had a great marriage and that everything about it was perfect. It certainly in no way occurred to me that they might get divorced. At the same time, I was in a a long-term relationship and our relationship was not very stable. Like it felt really turbulent. We were always arguing, things were really high and then they were really low and there was just a lot of stress and drama And it occurred to me, the combination, I think, of these two things, of of watching my parents get divorced and trying to make my own relationship work, that actually I didn't know anything about love, that I just like didn't understand it. And at the time I was teaching first year university students how to write research papers. And I would always say to them, like, you could research anything, like academics, you name it, someone has studied it. And so I thought, you know, why don't I just research this? Like, why don't I just turn this into a project for myself? And I felt like all the information I had about romantic love, I had gotten from like the romantic comedies I grew up watching or, you know, my parents' love story, my grandparents' love story. And I thought, you know, what about science? Like, is there another source of information that might be useful. And so I decided like, I'll just write a book about this. Uh And so I spent about a decade researching and writing about love. Wow. (laughs) That's cool. That's pretty cool. I want to do more research. I want to hear more, like, what's the attachment thing? Like the idea of like, how do you attach to somebody? That's important too, right? Mandy, like how you attach to somebody and knowing that about yourself when you're going into a relationship. Yeah. So the idea is, that basically we form our ability to connect with other bond with other humans, basically in the first year of our lives, like how we are loved as babies, essentially, and how we are cared for and how responsive our caregivers are influences our ability to love well as adults. And it's not like it's not changeable. It's not like if you weren't loved well or cared for in a healthy way as a child, that that means you're doomed for eternity or not. But it does mean that it's useful to kind of be aware of certain patterns that you have. Okay. People who, for example, have grown up in households with domestic violence or seen an abusive relationship modeled by their parents are more likely to kind of mimic those behaviors in their adult relationships. So there are all these things that we're 
subconsciously bringing into our relationships and we're acting out these patterns that are not very good. And so to make yourself someone who's like a little more adaptable and stable in when it comes to attachment, they call it like secure attachment. That's really what you want. Like somebody who you can be with your partner and invest in them and create intimacy with them, but also you can be apart from them and you can invest in yourself and you can feel confident on your own. Well, that's some soul searching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really get down to the nitty gritty. What really makes two people compatible or what, are the, what have you found to be the biggest core things that are the markers for a relationship that will last? Yeah. So if what you're looking for is a long-term relationship, I do think there are certain things that you can look for. And that seems to be really well documented by a lot of different research, finding a partner who is kind and generous and being kind and generous to your partner, which sounds like such a, like an obvious thing perhaps, but it's really huge. That's huge. (laughs) It's really a big deal. And that kindness and generosity takes a few different forms. So like there's one study Um, that I always think about is super interesting. That's basically like they've found that people who celebrate your successes with you, that's actually like hugely important. So you would think, I think what we often think is that we want someone who will support us through difficult times. And, And that's great. But actually what's even more important is somebody who gets excited when something good happens to you. Huge. Yeah. And so... That's one thing. Another thing is there's this research on what psychologists call the Michelangelo effect. Uh And so the idea is that partners are sculpting each other to help them become the best versions of themselves. And so Mm -hmm. in a healthy relationship, the way that that happens is basically through praise and encouragement. So it's not through criticism. It's not through critique. It's not through taking apart your small imperfections, but it's really encouraging you to do the things you love, making space for you to pursue the things that are important to you. I always think of like my ex-boyfriend. Early in my career, I applied for this really competitive writing retreat and I found out I got in and I called him to let him know I was so excited. And he was like, wow, that's amazing. And then he was like, who's going to take care of the dog while you're gone? And it was just like (laughs) absolutely undercut all my joy. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's terrible. That's exactly what you do not want. Right. So when I talk about kindness and generosity, I mean, someone who's really like on your team and who really sees the best in you. So I think those are the biggest things. Yeah. You know, usually on a first date or or, or early on in relationships, you're like, you know what, not for me, don't not feeling it. But what if you've invested, you know, six months, you've met the family, you've done this and you realize it's not working. And I sort of said, if it's not working, if there's big things, you got to leave, right? Like, don't waste time. Like, when do you decide to, you know, cut bait and run? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know that there's necessarily an easy answer to that. I remember... (laughs) talking to a friend about this who had been in a relationship for, I don't know, five, six years. And he was like, I care about her, but I'm just not sure that the spark is still there or whatever. And the thing that we kind of arrived at at the end is if you find that you no longer feel like you're able to be kind or generous to this person, or they're no longer treating you with that kindness and generosity, then that's a really good sign that for whatever reason, it's not working. Um, that's in a more subtle situation. I think if, if anyone is ever like cruel 
or, you know, th- they belittle you, especially in front of other people. Oh, you know, they're like obvious, that. like big red flags that it's like immediately. Immediately. Goodbye. Yeah. Mandy, I had a great experience happen to me. And Melissa and I have talked about whether I should talk about this or not. And I feel in my heart I should. So start of the quarantine, I have a friend that I've known for many, many years. And we got back together as friends and then started texting, talking during the quarantine. So that kind of a dating process was totally different than anything I'd ever gotten to do before because all we did was talk and get to know each other, tell funny stories, do a little FaceTime. So that was totally different than anything I'd ever gotten for or anything he had gotten to do before. So what you're talking about early on in asking the questions instead of being together face on, that's what we got to experience over the phone. I feel it made it a healthier more stable relationship, what we have now. Yeah, that's cool. I think this is very much like doing those 36 questions. Like this is the nice thing about my experience on my first date with Mark was just, I felt like I knew him well enough to know that I wanted to keep spending time with him. Like I felt like, oh, there's so many signs that this is like a really decent person And I think that just made me invest in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I think that's why we're still together, which is pretty cool. Yeah, what you said first about the kind and generous, celebrate uh, your successes with me and uh, he's on your team. Yeah, that's so important. Yeah, totally, totally. Talking about your experience that you know, because of the circumstances that we're in that you spent a lot of time just talking to somebody, which is ultimately what that 36 questions or what those are is just to like get past some of the like, what do you like to eat? What are we wearing? Where are we at? Looking around the restaurant, all these things. It just really gets you to the heart of the matter quickly. And I think about back to when John and I started being the last two at the bar after rehearsal, having a beer, talking about nothing and going, I don't really want to go home. Mm. And I'm liking what's happening, but we weren't yet dating. But the two of us just spent every night talking and like how important that was that when I ultimately had the guts to admit that I was falling for him, I liked who he was. And I was invested in wanting to get to know him more. And I think that's what the foundation for any relationship, whether it's romantic or your friend or somebody that's going to be in your life is that you're invested in that person and of who they are and that you like them before you love them. I don't know. You can put that in a book. Yeah, you got to. Oh, I think that's very important. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I did write about this in my book, which is, you know, I think it's important, not just that you love someone, but also that you like them and that you continue to not just cultivate love, but to cultivate liking so like, like something Mark and I do is, um, I'm such a nerd about this. This is very like research-based everything in my relationship, but we have a, a date night once a month and we take turns planning it and whoever plans it is like fully in charge and they pay for it. Um, but the idea is that it's just like something fun that we do together that we wouldn't normally do. So it in- introduces some novelty into the relationship, which lots of research shows is really good. Novelty produces dopamine and dopamine is one of those brain chemicals that wow. you feel falling in love. And so when you do something fun or exciting, 
you tend to attribute that not just to what you're doing, but the person that you're with. Does he ever say like, oh, she's researching how to be spontaneous? <laughs> According <laughs> to this. <laughs> accurate critique of me. Um, but no, he's very game. He's always on board, which is like yeah. such a good quality. Another thing that my friend did while we were in quarantine, I was with my sister, Susie and Mark, in Oklahoma during the quarantine after our mom had just passed. And so to keep us uplifted and not hungry, he would send food from different parts of the country into this little town of Chalky, Oklahoma. And it was so interesting. And it gave me such a sense that he really cared for me, but not only me, but my family. Because yeah. we were there and, and you know, it gets boring, you know, having to cook. But sending us things like that, that's so special. Well thought out gifts was really special to all of us. That's very cool. And that reminds me of... um Sorry, I'm just going to keep like throwing out research okay. to you guys, but there's a an interesting study that shows that friends and family are better predictors of how long a relationship will last than the people who are actually in that relationship. So finding someone that your family likes, that your friends like, that's a great sign yeah. that they're a good person for you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we're good then. We're golden. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh. Are you still writing a lot of stuff about love and relationships? Yeah, I am. I've been writing about love and relationships for a long time. I've sort of writing about love has gotten me interested in also thinking about like friendship and nuclear family and all these other forms of love that sort of radiate out from romantic love or from the couple. And so that's the kind of thing I've been writing about a lot lately is how we care for one another. Like I wrote a piece in the Atlantic last week. It was sort of about how like ways that people are caring for each other in this pandemic, despite the physical distancing limitations. So I think my interest in love has expanded. I'll probably write about relationships in some form or another for the rest of my life because it's just like an endlessly interesting subject to me. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, Mandy, you have really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I'm very appreciative of what I have in my relationship world. And it's just very interesting. Thank you for all your research that you've done. Yeah. I'm going to call you anytime I need anything researched. Okay. Call because me. I love You're good that at you that. like to research that. And I think, why wouldn't you? We've got information at our fingertips. Oh, like, yeah. They love and relationships are just as important in our life. I mean, we spend a ton of times researching a good plumber. Why won't we do it to find out how we fall in love, you know? Totally. I agree. So thank you very much. We appreciate your time and have a great day. Tell Mark bye for us. And, uh, <laughs> I will. Good luck with your new relationships. I, I thank have my you. fingers crossed for you. That's exciting. Thank you very much. I'm going to go through all those 36 points now. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I think it'll be fun. All right, Mandy. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Mandy. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Mandy, for all that amazing insight. Coming up next, we're going to chat with our good friend, good buddy, Kristen Chenoweth. So stay with us.
This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our studio. Doesn't that sound official? It does sound official. Melissa and I want to welcome our good buddy, Kristen Chenoweth. Yay! Hi, y'all. How you doing? I'm great. Fella Oki. That's right. Did you always feel like, couldn't we have done a little bit better than Oklahoma is? Okay. okay. Yeah, it's super great. <laughs> That's right. It's better than okay. It made two of my favorite people of all time. I know. I'm so glad you're here, Kristen. Oh, I'm so happy that y'all are doing this, and I really can't wait to get into the talk. Okay. Just the real talk. Okay. The real talk. This is real talk. Um, So when did you guys first meet? I don't know. I do. When? Reba won't remember, but I was uh, a singer and dancer at Opryland. And they asked me if I would dress in like a little pillbox hat and serve candy at this thing between my 25,000 shows a week at Opryland. Yeah. And they said, Reba McIntyre. And I said, well, it's going to be there. And they said, we're honoring her. I think you were having a record launch. And I was 19. I'll I said, there. I'll be there. I'll be there. So after Way Out West, I went and I had uh, like Mike and Ike's and hot tamales and all these candies. And he said, I'm going to introduce you. I said, no, no, I don't want to bother her, which is weird. I have that weird thing where I don't want to bother people that I admire and love. But I, she, he brought me right up to her, to you. And I said, Mike and Ike's. <laughs> And you, you said, I, I'm not, I don't really like that, but I like those. And I can't remember what you picked. And that was it. That is too That's funny. how we very first met. That is too cute. Then we met through the Andre Pacelli uh, Music Foundation and David Fox. We just, we've met over the years. Uh-huh. And I can't even remember the exact moment, but the minute I met you, I felt like I've known you forever. And even though we're all three buddies, this is a dating segment. Oh, you're right. We're we got to talk. Right. Different, let's get to but, it. Okay. This is perfect. 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 Okay. So let's start back at the very beginning. What would you say your ideal date would be? Oh, goodness. You know what? I'm going to tell you, it's the most recent when I met my guy. Um, I tour a lot and I'm never in one spot. You know what that's like, Reba. Mm -hmm. He he said, I'd like to court you. And I thought that was pretty cool. He said, where can I take you? And I said, well, I'm going to Boone, North Carolina next weekend. And that's the only time I have free is the night after my show. And that's it. And I said it just like that. And he goes, well, how about if I come to Boone and I'd like to see your show. He's a country music guy. He came to Boone, and uh, we went out after to the Waffle House. And he said, I've never had a more fun time. And I have to tell you, I hadn't either. That is so sweet. It was a great day. And I've been to the nicest places there are in the world, but Waffle House. I love it. That is so great. So it's really not where you go. It's the company you keep. I love that. I have that, too. Okay, worst date ever. Oh, easy. A guy, an agent, asked me out. Um, and I was, oh, well, I want to say 27 or something. And he said, do you mind coming to Santa Monica now in L.A. when you're in West Hollywood? That's a that's a little bit of a trip. That's I commitment. Said, okay, sure. So I went against rule number one. They come to get you or you meet them in your nearest neighborhood. Now we have different issues, safety and things like that. But then I was like, uh, okay, my my first mistake should have said, said, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. So mistake number one. So I drive there. 
uh, in five o'clock traffic. Oh, my gosh. Right. That's like going to Boone. It, it would have been easier. It would have been easier to go to Boone. I would have gotten on a plane and gotten there sooner. So he goes, do you mind if we walk to, uh, and I had on heels, and I said, mistake number two. Oh, sure. Because I am come from a place where I want to always be, make them happy. Mm-hmm. So note to women everywhere. First, if you're happy, then you can make others happy. Got it? Amen. Okay. So I, there I am in my Christian Louboutin shoes, which weren't cheap to me at the time. And I'm walking in and it was down a hill. And by the time I got there, I could not feel my feet. And then we get there and he sits me across from him. But the TV is over my head. Oh, stop it. So that he can watch a football game. And I had a TV show on at the air at the time called Christian. It was a huge hit, huge, massive. And he said, uh, how's the show going? Is it, are they going to air it? I said, it's aired. It's on now. And then he kept looking away and looking away. And I turned around. I said, who's winning the game? Because I like sports too. And he, he said, he told me he was winning. And I kept losing him, losing him. I said, you know what? I said, I'm sure that you're a nice guy, but I'm going to go ahead and walk home. He said, oh, my gosh, no, 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 please, please. And I thought he would say, I'm sorry. He said, no, 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 please. Can we wait till the game's over? <gasps> no. Are you kidding me? Worst day there. Um, what do you think are some things that are too big to not see eye to eye on? <sighs> well, because I have dated all over the map, I do think that when you date somebody, opposites do attract. And I have dated, I'm a Christian person, and I have dated outside my faith. And I think no matter what your faith is, ultimately, to date someone of like spirit and of like mind is way more important than I I had been taught that way. And I've been told that way by my dad. And I always thought, yeah, 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 but a good heart. The truth is, of like mind and of like spirit is as way more important than I thought. Oh, I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. You do? Totally agree with that. That starts the foundation, the core, and it can go nowhere but up after that. Yeah, because if you're explaining someone who's an atheist or a, or an agnostic, who are some, great, I mean, some of the best people I know, and I and obviously Jewish and Muslim, I have friends all across the yes. map. But um, I have to be with somebody I can pray with. Mm-hmm. Love that. All right. Dating someone much older or younger. Age is a number, and I'm the, I don't get caught up in it. Me either. I have dated someone who is 10 years older than yeah. me. I married somebody 10 years older yeah. than me. John is 10 years older than me. I, and that I was, was that married was perfect. to my first husband was 10 years older than me, too. Don't you think it's important when you meet somebody? It depends on when you meet them. Where at a certain point, the age thing becomes less important. Because yes, not, that's not, what I'm trying to it's say. It's not 20 and or like 30 and 20. It's 40 and 30. It's a lot different as you get older. There's it, a big window. It's That's True. the truth. Depends on when you are, where you are in your life. Right. Okay. okay. Makes sense. I will say that I wouldn't want if someone's younger and they see themselves having a family and you don't see that having a baby per se, um, then don't hold them up. But you had that conversation early yes. on, which is what we've been talking about mm-hmm. is have those conversations. Absolutely. Love that. Well, let's see if we, shall we play our game? Yeah, I want to play a game. Okay. You know, ladies, when it comes to dating, we all have our own personal pet peeves. It's time to turn them loose right now in our segment called Please Don't Do It. Please don't do it. So we just go around and say the things that we don't want them to do. On a date? On a date. Just please don't do it. Okay. Okay. Don't floss. They flossed at the table? After it was over. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Okay. All right. Dominate the conversation. Please don't do it. Be a bad tipper. Please Please don't don't do do it. it. Be rude to the 
server. Please don't do it. Don't do it. Show up late. Please don't do oh, it. Oh, don't do it. Oh. Wear flip-flops. Please don't do it. Okay? Please don't walk 10 miles ahead of me. Yes, please don't do that. I hate that. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. Please don't do it. Oh, that's a good one. Please don't text. Yes, don't text during dinner. Please don't talk about your old girlfriend. <gasps> that's a big one. And by the way, I've done it. Please don't order for me. Why in the world would they order for Now, if you said, I'm going to have the steak medium rare, then they order for Yeah, me. but if they say the lady will have... I, You guys, I just made that up because I've seen that done in movies. Uh-huh. Like when people order for you, no one's ever ordered for me. But does that happen on a date? Yes, it happens. Okay, I've never been on Only a date with Only when happens. I tell him I'm going to have this, he said, do you mind if I order for you? I said, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, I yeah I, that, that works. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's not hard. Oh, if you're going to ask me out on a date, don't expect me to pay half of it. <gasps> don't go Dutch. Don't do it. Do I, not do it. Let me yeah. offer so I look good, but then you say, no, 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 I asked you out. If someone's your guest, you pay, right? Would you go Dutch the second date or if what? I said, hey, I would like to take you to this restaurant. It's going to be my treat. Okay. I want to buy. Mm-hmm. Let's say it out front. But when the bill comes and it's sit there and look at it time, mm-hmm. there's not going to be another date. Oh. I, I, no. I, I, I picked up the bill lots. That's not good. No. Not you, good. No. And I, no, it is not good. Don't do it, ladies. Don't do it. If you can't afford that restaurant, don't go there. Which brings me up to my next don't do it. What? Don't present yourself as someone you are. Are not. Don't, don't get do above it. your raisins. Yeah. Don't Wait, what? Don't. I thought you said raisins. Well, that's the way it she said did. Your okay. Other, raisins. <laughs> Which, not, not raisins. Yeah, okay. Not the ones you eat. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what I mean? When a man presents themselves to be something and then you date them for a while and you find out that they're not at all who they said they were, don't do it. There's something else. If I can do a PS to this thing. My daddy used to tell me, Kristen, if you have more than three dates with someone, it's too difficult or maybe there's going to be too much overcome. Do not continue to date them. And I thought, oh, hogwash, I'm going to do it. And you know that I spent my 20s and 30s and a lot of my 40s doing that very thing. I never believed him. And then what happened is because I'm loyal, because I'm a person that doesn't like failure, I stayed too long at the fair with too many people. Not not bad people, the wrong people for me. But here's the best dating advice I was told by, by Jerry Chenoweth. Never fall in love with somebody's potential. Dang. That's a t-shirt. There you go. Love that. So that's the best advice. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten about dating? Give him another chance. He didn't mean to. Maybe you caught him on a bad day. He was tired. Good. If it works, great. If it doesn't, bye-bye. Yeah. In the nicest way. I agree, because there's no need of wasting anybody's time. No. I've done it. It's not fair. Me too. I have. And it's not fair to anyone. All right. Well, thank you, Kristen Chenoweth. You know we love you and adore you. Thank you. I learned a lot, too, myself. Well, that was a fun episode, don't you think, Melissa? I think it was very fun and informative. I learned a lot. What you were talking about, about really getting to know somebody, that's what Mandy is is all about, is about, you know, getting past the, the fluff and getting the, to the heart of the person and getting to know them. So what was your favorite thing that she said? I like that when you have someone that you are attracted to, the like has to come before the love. I mean, if you really like them, the love's going to come on. And Mandy said to celebrate your successes. That was my favorite. You should do them. They should do you. And if you're not pulling for each other, it's not a team. 
But the 36 questions, that's a lot of fun and looking forward to getting to run those with Rex. That'll be a lot of great times. And we absolutely loved the honesty of our friend Kristen Chenoweth. Thank you, Kristen, so much. You shared your bad dates, your belief in love, and your inspirational words to live by, and from your dad, too. Like, don't fall in love with someone's potential. I love that. So thanks to Mandy and Kristen for being on the show with us. It was an episode that I was not looking forward to, but after we're done with it right now, I'm so glad we did it. I love that. The ones that are a little bit scary sometimes, it's the ones that are going to be the best ones. Like you should be a little nervous in in a good way, but I'm glad that you shared a little bit of your life with us because we can all learn from that too. Good deal. And to everyone listening, I'm so glad you joined us for Living and Learning. Until next time. Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre is a Spotify original podcast. Hosted and produced by me, Reba McIntyre, and my dear friend, Melissa Peterman. Our executive producers are Liz Gately, Yossi Salek, Gina Delvac, Danny Trebatch, and Justin McIntosh. Also produced by Dylan Rupert. Michael Hardman is our editor. Original music is composed by Doug Sizemore. Very special thanks to Leah Edwards, Alex Nelson, Robert Adler, Casey Simonson, Whitney Welch, Rebecca Crawford, Rachel Margolis, and Suzanne Bender for production support.